This is One on One with Stevie Fro, Episode 3 with Kevin Gray. Welcome back to the one-on-one with Stevie Fro podcast joined here uh, with the great Kevin Gray, Beachwood high school baseball coach, formerly of Ludlow. Uh, So spent some time at Newport Catholic and coached basketball at Scott High, Bishop Rossert. Pretty great career this guy's had. Ninth Region Championship, 2019, Elite Eight State Tournament. Yep. All coaching. Yeah. Um, two-time All-A State Champion at Beachwood. Yep. On staff for an All-A State Championship at Newport Catholic. Uh, just an incredible run this guy's gone through. Um, Northern Kentucky Sports Hall of Famer. Where'd you find that at? <laughs> Your dad told me. No, I'm sure he did. <laughs> he told me to put it in there. So Kevin Gray, old friend, um, hometown guy too. Uh, we talked last week with Eric Russell. Talked about growing up in the in the South Gate on the hill, right? Yep. Um, can I ask a question about that? Yes. Did he lose anything? Did he ever lose there? At least, right. Man, that was a long time ago. I'd, I'd have to say he probably lost up on the hill. There's pretty good, pretty good athletes up there. So it's doable. Even if he told you he didn't, it can be done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Went to St. Joe's. Yes. Catholic school. You and your brother Steve. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about. Talk to me a little bit about the growing up neighborhood. Going to St. Joe's before the new Cath days. So when we grew up on the hill, it was, I mean, you had, that was probably the greatest subdivision to grow up on. We had Tracy Lane, Valley View, Bonnie Leslie, or Bonnie Lynn. And then um, we had the Votes, the Molars, you know, Scott's Tea Gardens, all them guys up there. So we all kind of grew up together. So we played football every day, basketball every day, baseball every day. That's why Eric Russell got to play in college because of, you know, because of the competition. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, it was um, it was an incredible um, childhood. Still have great friends. I still plan a uh, Tracy Lane get together every year down at Riverside, down down in Dayton. So it's, we're still all you know stay in contact, and it's all pretty cool. And your dad was your coach in some of those teams that you played on. Yes. For you, and how how much younger is Steve? Two years. Two years, so you always leveled. You were never the same level. You were always a level, right? Yeah. Can yeah, I ask can. you a question? Mm-hmm. Because I've coached with you, and I think that you guys are polar opposites in a lot of ways. But I think that a natural thing that you picked up on was your love of fundamentals. Right? No doubt. No Absolutely. Yeah. And I can sit here and say that if, with every coach that I've ever coached with, I've never worked with somebody who 
legitimately hammered home fundamentals every day. And I think it's a big reason of all the success that you've had and all of your teams, maybe not uh, coaching Bailey's team. But <laughs> yeah, that was your tough. daughter. <laughs> I coached her one year in and that was like that was what it. third grade. <laughs> did not did end that well. was it crash and burn. Yeah, um, you know, but you, you know, as coaches, the only thing you can really control when the kids are out there is, is how they're prepared, because they've got to do the job, and one of the things that I always identified with coaching with you was every day we were going to hammer home the most basic skills of that sport every day. And that's something you, you just pick up on. You, I, I don't think you really learn that um, as a coach, as you're in your career, that's just something you grow up with. And, you know, as you get into new cath, right. Probably the same deal. The coaches that you had there. Mm-hmm, definitely. Right. Well, I had Coach Don. Yeah. You know, my freshman basketball. Can you tell the story of Ron Don being responsible for the most miserable day of your life? Oh, my God. So we were freshmen. We thought we were, you know, hot shit. And we uh, we were playing. We had played Holmes over there at that little gym they had and got beat. And he was pretty ticked off. And then we played Friday night at Cuffcath. And we were beating Cuffcath pretty good the first half and started – you know, kind of getting a little lazy or whatever, and they came back and beat us. And he said, see you tomorrow morning, practice, don't get the basketballs out. And we were all like, oh, my gosh. So that next day, he the balls were out, and he was out shooting. So we thought, man, maybe maybe he got over that. As soon as that clock hit, 8 o'clock, the balls went back in. And Did he put the time on the clock? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was time on the clock. There was garbage cans at the baselines. Yeah. It you, was miserable. Do you think he still does that? I don't think so. Any, well, I know. I mean, he's still intense, but man, I, I don't but know. But he's a perfectionist too. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Even when he was coaching the girls, he was a perfectionist, mm-hmm. which is something that you just, you are or you are not. Right. I am a perfectionist as well. Baseball wise, I mean, you know, Frank Pangallo was. Oh, the goat. Yeah, he was our you – know, we didn't have a JV team – or a freshman team then, so you played JV as a freshman, so he was our JV Dave coach. Dave Faust was the varsity coach? Brother John was Brother John. my first two years. Okay. His junior – my junior year, he um, – you know, Mr. Schneider took over the junior year just for the rest of the year. And then um, my senior year was Dave Faust, who I love. But, yeah, so I had some, you know, really good coaches when – you know, when I played. Frank Frank Pangallo, the greatest. Absolutely. The greatest. And if – obviously, you don't have to be a Newcath guy to know the Pangallo name. But he was the godfather, right? Yes. Um, I remember being in high school, and I didn't play in the baseball program, but Coach Pangallo was always down mowing the grass during the day. Yeah, he was always doing something. Always doing sure. something. Yeah. And – I used to talk to Mr. Pangallo at Bingo at St. Vincent. We used to work Bingo. That was part of you. You worked the Bingo. You got twenty five dollars that week towards your tuition. The St. Vincent kids. So he was the, he was the bartender. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. <laughs> so here I am, fourteen, standing at the bar while the Jitney games are being played, and 
Mr. Pangallo is just pouring beer, drinking it, firing heaters, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And railing on everything. <laughs> and I had grown up with Chris. Chris and I are the same age. So I had known I had known the Pangallo boys. We were from the same hill. And just just sitting there and getting to know him on that level because obviously I didn't play for him. And as I got, oh, I would say, I think he passed when I was a sophomore. I think it was my sophomore year, 94-ish. Yeah, I know Chris was still in high school. Oh, he was still in, yes. Yeah, I thought so. And I remember as he was getting weaker, you could just tell, even at the young age that we were, my brother and I. But uh, he, he was incredible to us. And it didn't matter. You, you pick up things from people. Here's a guy who was, was big time in our community. Mm-hmm. All his kids were stars, talked about. And then he, would take, he always had time for everybody. It didn't matter who was working or if you saw him at church. Super great guy. And Grandma Pangala, too. Mm-hmm. Always super. But, um, yeah, Tina, she's still doing pretty good. Yeah. She's doing really good. She might bury all of us, I tell you. Last I time I saw her, she looked great. Yep. They don't, she's like, Jimmy's that way. He's not aged. No. He's the same size. Looks the same as he did in senior year of high school. I hate him. <laughs> 100%. Let me ask you something about the St. Joe's. We, I kind of passed that up because I do want to talk about some of those new Kathy years. Because powerhouse years mm-hmm. at Newcath when you were there. St. Joe's, did you have good coaches there? Yeah. I had. Um, was Jim I, Donlin one of your coaches? He there? was my seventh and eighth grade coach. He was tough. But I was ready for Ron. Coach Don when I was a freshman because I had, you know, Coach Donlin in seventh and eighth grade. But yeah, he was tough. I, I love rem- Jim Donlin. Oh, Such I remember a good one, get, one day he put me in. We were, always played scrimmage games and stuff. And. We were beating somebody pretty good. He wanted me to get the ball to somebody to score. And so I stole the ball from a guy, and I'm like, oh, my God, i got to find this guy who's coming down the court. So I stop at the foul line and turn around to try to give the ball to this kid. <laughs> Takes me out of the game. You know, of course, you know, I gave it to him, and he missed it or whatever, and he's, why the hell didn't you shoot the ball? <laughs> I said, you told me not to shoot it. <laughs> You know, you told me to get it to him, but great, great. I just talked to him on Father's Day. Actually, I still. I see his. Awesome. I see his daughter-in-law. I used to see him quite a bit when I was still reffing football, but I see I see his daughter-in-law and his um, granddaughter as well. I see them at the Target, and I see Mark occasionally. Mm-hmm. Just amazing people, great family. He lived out. Uh, Mr. Donald lived out by me, right on Twenty Seven, right by the Elk Newport Elks. You know, but, the funny thing is that. that I can totally see the scenario where Jim's raining holy hell down on you for whatever, and your dad the whole time being like, yep, that's right. Oh, absolutely. Tell him, Jim. Yeah. No, when My we son were kids, sucks. we didn't go home yeah. and say, <laughs> "No, Coach Cust or Coach no. was mad at me. Uh, didn't go over. I was telling Eric Russell, when, when I was in the basketball program at Newcath and Ron Dunn was the head coach, and my dad every day, Ron Dunn, Loved Ron, loves mm-hmm. Ron Don. And it would not have mattered if Ron Don had thrown a chair at my head 
he would have said, well, what did you do to piss him off? Right. Don't do that. It's just this, you know. That was a mentality of the dads in our era, but the, for sure. They, they were products of their environment. That they grew up in just a, a tougher time. You think about our grandpas growing up, Depression, World, World War II, Korea, maybe even maybe even our dads growing up in that time. I, I guess my dad my dad was born in '58, so towards the end of that. But obviously, the Vietnam stuff was through years that he can remember. Obviously, right. So, you know, it was just a tougher time. I know my dad had, I mean, my mom was pregnant, I think, with me. So he didn't go to, he didn't get to go to Vietnam because he was the head of household or whatever. And he had buddies that never made it back. Oh, I believe He's it. He's got their pictures on his dresser still. Had them there since we, you know, since we were kids. One of the things I, like this, this area is obviously rich. You see the uh, memorials. You see them all over the place. Mm-hmm. I like to stop at them. New- in Newport, we have, in the Coat Brilliant neighborhood, we have a World War II memorial. And it was at Holy Spirit, well, St. Francis, which became Holy Spirit. And when they did all the construction to build the Dicks, Panera, Target, Kroger, they tore it down and they re-erected it pretty much in around the same spot. And and I've stopped and looked at that. It's incredible the the area that we grew up in, some of the history there. I know we're a little off topic on it, but it's you see these Ludlow. Ludlow yeah. has the you coach there. They have that huge memorial, right there in the park, right in the park. Yep. And I have stopped and looked at it. It's impressive. It is. Dayton really had one. And you think about that, it kind of puts it into perspective. You know, you talk about your dad. I know. How close he was uh, going, uh, yeah. you know, to Gorn. So, yeah. Interesting. Let me talk about – let's talk about these new Cath years. Graduated in 86. Yep. Football team has a three-year run there, right? 84, yep. 85, 86. Yep. Three finals appearances to one champion. Yeah, 84, I think. 84? I think, yeah. Big attention with Frank Jacobs. Yep. Local kid, goes to Notre Dame. Baseball team was good. I don't know how. I don't. I'm not real familiar with all the success there, but from what I can remember, being a student and seeing some of that, some of the stuff in the hall, it looked like a good time there too. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. We had. Uh, I know my senior year we lost to Cuffcath in the regional finals, and then our my junior year, we had we had a pretty good team, but we just laid an egg in the districts against Newport. Raymond Haight threw a like a two hitter, hit two solo home runs, beat us three to one, and we just two weeks before that rocked him. But you, I'll tell you a funny story about Frank Jacobs. When I was at St. Joe's, you know, I was an eighth grader and he came in St. Joe's as a seventh grader. The first day I saw him, I called Coach Donlin. The next day, I'm like, uh, we got a big kid at school. We need you need to talk to. So anyway, so he played basketball. Frank wasn't a basketball player. He was nothing but setting screens, rebounding. You know, he couldn't shoot or nothing. But but he played – we got him on our baseball team. So I played first base every year. And we had practice down at the old Mosier on that front field. Yeah. So my dad's pitching. Frank gets in there. He's just lasering balls everywhere. And he, my dad says, hey, uh, what position do you play? 
Frank said, well, I pitch and play first. So the next thing my dad says, Kevin, come here. <laughs> you better get your ass in the outfield because <laughs> you're not going to be playing first base. I didn't even learn how to, <laughs> to track a fly right. ball. Yeah, yeah. So from that day forward, all through the rest, you know, high school and softball, everything. I and played. Frank went on to play in the majors? Well, he I was with the Mets. Mets. I knew he was with the Mets, yeah. He was a triple-A player of the triple. year one year. He told me the trophy he has at his house is as big as he is. But he just never – I can't remember. I, I want to say it was Keith Hernandez or somebody like that was in front of him so he could never get – and then, well – It's almost to, like Scott Wiggins in a way. Yeah. Being drafted and having to wait his turn with these – this team was it the Yankees or the the Blue Jays? It's it, both of those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, Frank went to Notre Dame for football. Sure. Then he broke his leg in the Air Force game, and then so he said, "I'm gonna play baseball." And for a while, he may still have it. I don't know, but he had the heart of the uh, furthest home run hit at Notre Dame Stadium for. He's just a freak Not athlete, and he's the nicest guy you'd ever meet in your life. I mean, I see him now, and you know, hugs you, squeezes you, about kills you. He's so big, so. The last time I saw him, he looked like he could play the Incredible Hulk on yeah. TV. Great guy. Some of the lessons you learned at Newcath as a player that you carried on as a coach? Um, definitely with um, – well, starting with, you know, Mr. Pingallo right away. Is if you didn't – fundamental – you talk about fundamental guy right there. But if you didn't – if you didn't give effort, if you didn't play hard, and, you know, he loved baseball, he hated everything else. He hated Jimmy and them guys playing anything but baseball. But if you didn't play, if you didn't practice hard, you know, he didn't – you weren't going to play. I mean, I, I think more than anything with, you know, obviously Coach Dawn um, and then Coach Bengallo. I had – Brother John was a was a really good coach. He was a stickler. And, and he – was he the one – was he the one that was there for – a, while, a long time, the I yeah. Don't, I don't even know what you call those. The kind Bro- of the in-house brother. <laughs> yeah, he was a brother. Um, they had that house up there that yeah. him and brother Chris all them lived in. But he was, uh, yeah, he just you know not to get too personal with him, but you know he had some issues and got in a little trouble my junior year, and we got called in and they told us you know Mr. Schneider was taking over, and then he he was only like an interim. So then Coach Fowles, my senior year. Was that his first coaching job, Dave Faust? I think know? it was his first baseball. Really? Yep. And was yep. he the basketball coach at the time? No, no, not. He was a he was a basketball coach, but I think well, obviously Ron was the head coach. I think. I, think. I knew that he was at Newcath at one time. Yeah, he. And then but he, I couldn't remember if he was the head coach or. I think, if I'm not mistaken, when Ron left St. Henry, Dave took over. Okay, I think so. That would make sense. Yeah. Interesting. I did know that he coached the baseball team. I wonder if he misses the old baseball days. Probably not. When I see him on Florida, yeah, probably not. Especially after my brother's class. Ugh. <laughs> First coaching gig, St. Joe's, 25 years old. Yep. Third grade boys. Yep. It was awesome. Was it? I just, you know, it's funny you say that because I just saw Tim Mackenheimer mm-hmm. the other day, and I Tim and I coached together. So we had no idea what to expect third grade. And back then, everybody was about even in the league except St. Therese. They had Kip and Justin Mason, mm-hmm. Stevie Everson, and yeah. all them guys, and they had been playing together. Our class, yeah, yeah, they were awesome. But they were they had been playing together for 
since they were like kindergarten. Where our, most of our kids just started playing third grade, and they were easily the best team in the league. But um, so our first game, Tim and I playing at the old barn and uh, St. Mary's. Yeah, yeah. And so opening tip, we drew up this play. And we're like, okay, Jeff, you tip it, Brandon. You throw it down. Boom. We had a little um, kid from Korea, Chris Legier. He was like the point guard. He could handle the ball, unbelievable for a third grade, especially. But he. Um, so we get the opening tip. We tip it exactly the way we drew it up. Boom, boom, score, two to nothing. Timmy grabs me by the leg. He's like, dude, we are awesome. <laughs> At the end of the third quarter, we were down 10 to 2. <laughs> we hadn't scored another point. I was seriously going to say, <laughs> how awesome can you be in a third grade game oh, no, when the yeah. score is always But like we actually came six. back, believe it or not. End of the third quarter, we were down 10 to 2. Yeah. Made three pure luck shots in the fourth quarter, tied it. And then won it in overtime. And I swear, me and Timmy were running around the barn like we just won the NCAA title. Like Jim Valvano, that's who it reminded me of. We were running around like looking for somebody to hug. But, yeah, I just saw Tim at uh, Walmart, and we were talking about that. And he's like, I'll never forget that as long as I live. That was <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you can get the greatest joy out of just the unexpected with something like that. Right. With that age, coaching that age. And I, I coached a year, Pee Wee football. They were midgets, so I'm assuming it was third – fourth grade I guess midgets are and and for me personally I was miserable because it was like the things that I thought that well we had just come from coaching the seventh and eighth grade team so you, you're going into it assuming I was 21 so I thought well they'll know the basics they just that's not realistic right but again until the first time you do it but I, there was just an inherent joy with those kids because th there is no drama with them. They just roll in and they, with their water bottle right. and they're just ready to go. Yep. They're just ready. They're just happy to be doing something. Right. And until you can, okay. We, I watch the third graders play here in our youth league and, and the, some of these people, they get crazy, the coaches mm -hmm. and you wonder what, what do you really want from them? They're just they're trying. Right. I get it. They're gonna travel everywhere. There's always the kid that that is just the lockdown defender is gonna run around. He's gonna steal every ball. Just a mm -hmm. just a firecracker. But, you know, as long I guess as long as your expectations are tempered there. Right. But I enjoy I enjoy it. And I walk through the gym and I'll see it and I'll kinda of smile and keep going to do laundry or to do whatever needs right. to be done. But it is fun. Yeah. Somebody told me a long time ago back then, and I should probably, you know, I think basketball coaches should do it at any level, but they told me videotape the first game, then videotape the last game. And no matter what your record is, no matter what, you know, you won or if not, they got, didn't yeah. win. If they and, – and that year, I mean, like I said, we were down 10-2 to two at the end of the third quarter. We were like, oh, my God. That, and eight points in a third grade game. And, and then yeah. eighth grade, eight points in the fourth quarter. But the last game of the year – I don't remember the exact thing, but I know both of us, we played, I forget, St. Thomas or somebody, but it was like 46 to 42, and I thought, wow, I wish I would have done that because we couldn't make anything, you know, easy shots or whatever yeah. the first game, and then by the end of the year it was like. And you know what's tough at a place like St. Joe's? They have so many teams mm -hmm. in the one gym. So you're. Well, you get you, an hour. It, yeah, a week. Hour and a half. We, oh, hour we, and a half. Back then we did, but I don't know now what. You know, they got a lot more teams than, than we did back then. 
So, but we got an hour and a half, one day a week. So even when I had, you know, with the seventh and eighth grade teams, that it was still an hour, and you had to for an hour and a half. Maybe. So you didn't get to go twice a week with the seventh and eighth graders. Nope. Wow. What, how, I try to play scrimmage games and stuff just to, you know, get another day in, but we would play Campbell County. Did you start coaching baseball the same year? Yes. Yep. Just not whole? Yeah. Uh, I coached a kid named Brian Breitenstein. His dad, Tom, coached a, a Bosley Roofing was the name of the team. And we he asked me to help him. And, you know, once I started, I was like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Really? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, we had a good – we had a really good team. Um back then not whole team and there really wasn't a lot of select you know no. a little bit but nothing no. like Not nothing the like 90s. there is now nothing like there is now but yeah it was they, what made had, you get into all the, the coaching because i can remember why i got into it i was working in florida during the summers and when i got home i was at football right away until uh the end of november mm-hmm and so December, January, February, March, April, May was like, ugh, this time is just dragging. I need to, I need to do something. And it was literally right around that time I met the wife of the athletic director at Holy Spirit. And I had told her that I had gone to Holy Spirit and that I would, was thinking about coaching basketball, or thinking about getting into it. So she hooked me up with her husband who – kind of interviewed me, I guess. They had a seventh grade opening. And I think it was open because no one wanted it. There was only six kids in the, in the group because it was this really small class. The eighth grade team was phenomenal. Ed Stevie coached this team. And Artie Slayline, oh, yeah. um, Nate Stevie. I don't remember all the kids, but they were really good. They won the league. Artie, and that would have been Artie against Slayline was a stud. Stud. And that would have been against you. You were at St. Joe's at the yeah. time. So you remember. Oh, yeah. Well, no no one wanted that seventh grade job. So they brought me into a booster meeting because that's, you know, how they do it. Mm-hmm. I was 19. And I, I didn't know what to expect walking in there. <laughs> I walked, and it was a typical Catholic school kind of deal. It was in the basement of the school where they played bingo. And everybody was drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and Roger Means and Ed Stevie were like, and I had known them forever since I was a little kid. This he'll do. He'll be good. We, you know, we like Steve. He'll be great. And they vo- they were two of the like four voting members. And then Steve Stephan, the AD. They all three voted, and I was now the seventh grade coach. I had absolutely no idea what I was getting into. I had co- uh, had assistant coached basketball with my uncle my senior year in high school, and I loved it. It was the seventh grade team at Dayton Middle School. And my Uncle Paul had been the coach there for quite some time. And he said, come down and give me a hand. Help me out. Like, That's okay. right, because you ran that tournament, that yes. Christmas tournament. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was when I was at Dayton, actually. Right, right. But this – wow. And I did that, so I didn't coach again for a couple years, basketball. And then I started coaching baseball for Little League right out of high school. Six days after graduating or seven days after graduating, I left for Florida. No idea what I was getting into there either. And I'm going to tell you something. Like, where was Trevor Stellman on Friday? Trevor's first job as a coach was for me at Little League. And you hand these dudes 
the bag of equipment, probably the same, kind of the same way that we got into it. Mm-hmm. They hand you the bag with the balls yep, and the bats or whatever else. They give you a key to unlock the gate, and they give you your list of your roster, and they say, get after it. Good luck. Call me if you need anything. Yep. And that's it. Now, I think that by the time that I started hiring people in Florida for, for the Florida job, we were much better at training the guys. But it's it's crazy to think like that. The majority of people who coach, that's how they start. And they just, you've got to figure it out. You're just out there figuring shit out right. every day. This works, that works. And, and the seventh grade team, I'll never forget that first practice. Boy, I was there an hour early. I had everything set up. And four kids walked in off the school bus, and I thought, <laughs> what are, what's happening? Four kids. And I had to leave. I, I couldn't stay late because I had to go to Owen County to have a football game. It was a Friday. Our practice time was at uh, 3.30 on Friday afternoons. Wow. And I was reffing football, having to be in-house at 6 o'clock. So if we were out of town, boy, I, I had to go. Mm-hmm. Well, I ended up having to take kids home. It was crazy. I was late getting to the game. Well, we get there an hour and a half early, so uh, I guess it wasn't too bad. But uh, it's a lot of – I would think young people now, that might turn them off to it Mm -hmm. because it's just not there ready where, you know, we just – like we kind of are growing up as more unsupervised because we just went out and did our thing. Right. And we kind of figured it out. Whereas, you know, that might be tougher now. But it's it's crazy. Yeah. I think what what got me into it was, uh, you know, the Blue Jay Classic is just mm-hmm. phenomenal. Probably greatest grade school tournament around, uh, easily. I yeah. And I just, you know, I think when they when somebody brought it up about coaching, that's the first thing I thought of was, oh my god, I get the coach in the Blue, Blue Jay. Jay. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that got that got the juices flowing. And then once I started with the baseball and tried to do both for quite a few years, but that's tough. How, how was the progression from going from the third grade to ending with the eighth grade at St. Joe's? I went third. Took the – I think we had them third and fourth. Dave Couch and I, yeah. Dave helped me. Yeah. Well, and Timmy in the beginning. But then Dave um, – and then we got a fifth grade. They called it like the fifth grade B team because mm-hmm. uh, they didn't cut. But they kept their, you know, the A team, whatever you want to call it. And then – so we took those guys in fifth and sixth. And they put us in a league in St. Catherine, and I, and they said, "Oh, it's going to be a fifth and sixth grade league, so you, you'll com, you'll be competitive, whatever." It was a, it turned out to be a sixth grade A league, and we got pummeled early on, and you know, in the beginning of the year. But like once again, if I would have videotaped the first game and then videotaped the last game, because St. Teresa, I think I can't remember if it was Ronnie Rawls, somebody was coaching, and they were really good, and um, the la- we played them last game of the year and lost like. 36-31 or something crazy where they beat us by 40 the, earlier in the year. And I was like, man, I wish I would have taped this. So. Yeah. Well, I will say this. When I came into coaching, you were Kevin Gray. Everybody, when the St. Joe's teams were amazing. Kevin Smith at the time. The first group was, uh, uh, well, my first group, 7th and 8th, was Jeff Henry. Okay. Hands. So we're not far from. Yeah. yeah. And then it was Zach. Kieran and Jared yes, Harris. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, that, that, I mean, we had we had definitely had talent. There My no second year at that. Holy Spirit, you were at you were the. This was the first time that we ever interacted mm-hmm. because we did. My first year coaching middle school, we didn't 
play. We got we were in the hallway at Newcath, and we just started chatting. And all I kept thinking was, this guy feels so bad for me right now because he knows how ass we are, right? <laughs> Because we weren't real good. We, right. you know, well, we you didn't have numbers, we had, and no. we were, like you said, we had oh. a, a grade school all-stars. You yeah. know what I mean, honestly. And I remember that because I didn't play the, against you no. guys that time. I no. didn't play any starter. I told them for the game, these guys are going to play the whole game. And so it ended up being like maybe 10 or 12-point game or whatever. And then afterwards, you, you your kids were like, we only lost. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And you came up to me and said. Thank you. You said, yeah, thank you, because my kids think they competed against you guys. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. That was, that was – we finished that year, that last, like, six weeks of the season playing – because, you know, in the, in the grade school leagues, you have all these tournaments, mm-hmm. especially the Catholic. They all have their own tournament. Yeah. And we did so well. It Just because it's amazing what confidence does. Right. When they start to play well. So, I mean, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was some good times back then, I'll tell you. How, how hard was it? So you're moving up the ladder, and then Brady's born. Still coaching both, I would imagine, baseball yes. and basketball. Yep. And then Brandon's born in 96. And you're full blown. big into it at that point with the two boys. Yeah, I actually got to the point where they were playing AAU stuff yeah. and summer baseball, and I was coaching here at yeah. Scott. And I'll never I forget that. the time. I think I called you right away because I got home and we had we played at Clark County or something. And when I got home, both of the boys, you know, Gina was like, "Oh my God, you wouldn't believe the games they had today!" And blah blah. And they were sitting there telling me about it at the table, and I was like, "Awful, I'm done. Yeah, I can't do this no more." I didn't. I mean, believe me, I hated it because you know when we were it's out, a great staff. Oh, yeah. I had we had so much fun with you know all the you know Mark and. Before Mad. you came here, you were at Brossard, though. Was it? Yeah, I was. I was only there two years. One year. Was this one? I just helped. Uh, yeah, Chris, Chris Schreiber with the freshman. And team. that was under Willie, right? Willie yep. Schlarman. Yep. And then Mike Code was actually his assistant. Yes. And Mike took over. One. Because Scott was at Scott Code was at Dix. Was he at Dixie or Highlands then? So I think I, Highlands might have been Highlands. Yeah, because Mike was at Mike Highlands, was at Highlands too, too. And then he went yeah. to Brossard. What? A, yeah, they had a big run in Highlands. Wow. Yeah. But oh, that was awesome out there. I mean, I loved Willie Schlarman, and my code was, you know, first time I ever met him was at the Brossard Summer Basketball Camp, and, man, he was – right away I clicked with him because he was the same type of, you know. Oh, yeah. Discipline and sure. know, all that stuff. He was – Mike's big into fundamentals. Yep. Mike's a really good he coach. He was fun. He was fun to coach with. We We did the freshmen, but then they would practice after us or before us, and I would always get there just, you know, honestly, to watch him sure. and Willie do their thing because they were just so – That's a good team, yeah. those two. Yeah, they honestly. were. Honestly. I Willie started having kids. And, yeah. And, you know, it's just And tough. I think he was pretty upfront about that, if I can remember – if I if I can remember what, the scenario, because he had – they had were trying to have kids. Yeah. And we were – I was at Dayton, and I Willie had given us game film – and just had that brief conversation about right. it, you know. Not think about how many titles Willie would oh. have if it wasn't for Buddy Biggs. You know, I mean, Pendleton yeah. County then was amazing with Belchers and and all them. I mean, they Willie would have. I mean, Kevin Smith and them could have won it three years. Three years, yeah. Yeah, that was an incredible group, big time group. Just couldn't get over that Pendleton hump. Yeah. Well, know? then Brad gets the Scott job. Mm-hmm. Brad Carr, 
And then how did that work out? They just you guys knew each other from, you know, softball or yeah, um, I've known Brad for forever with softball and stuff like that. We've always been good buddies, but he actually refereed a couple of our diocesan games over at Covington Catholic. And um, so when he was refing, he, uh, you know, you know, obviously we had good teams and wasn't like I was this fantastic coach, but he just liked my. Well, your personalities are the same. Yeah. Um, good or bad, I, I guess. No, <laughs> no, I mean like your personality. Yeah. But, yeah, he liked how, I mean, I was, you know, fiery. And, and you both, you're you both fundamental coaches. Yeah. So, yeah, he called me. That's an me. automatic click for right. me. So when he got the job, he called and he offered me the uh, JV job. And then Mark Gaskins was the head or the assistant varsity. And then um, Chris. Schreiber was, was the freshman, freshman coach. coach. Yeah, for a year or so, and then you came A year. On. Yep, and then you came on. See, I don't know if people would – obviously, people know that we're friends. I, I Honestly, I don't think people would have any idea the – so the role that Kevin has played in my life. I was at Dayton f- five years and had really only known him through the middle school league. I knew of you because – did your dad own that bowling alley in Bellevue? Was that B and J? Him and Mike O'Day didn't own it. They leased it. Okay. Okay. Mike so my mom bowled there. And I was there the night that Kirk Gibson hit the home run where he – Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had to like – he was struggling to get around the bases. Right. I was there. Look, why I was at a bowling alley at <laughs> midnight. Right. Because <laughs> that game was in L.A., right? Why I was there, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But we were just there. And – uh, that was the first time I met your dad, and so I don't even—I don't even know what year that was, '88, because yeah, it must have been '88, and just—and that was how I came familiar with your family because my mom, obviously the Dayton connection, right? You know, she's filling us in on that, but I—I I couldn't really do it. But um, we meet, you know, while I'm at Dayton running the basketball tournament. The middle school we classic. Always in, the yeah. boys played in those. Yep. We would come, you were at Scott at the time. You would come down and we would chat. And then I got fired on a Friday. Well, I guess you could say not renewed. Right. I called it a firing. It sounds what was good. that guy's name that you coached with down there? It was unreal. Jay Croft? Yes. Yes. I remember when Great. you guys were down there. Yeah. I had to scout for. Mm-hmm. New Cath, I think. Or I don't know what it was, but you were playing in the all egg and somebody that I hit scout St. Henry or whoever. Yes. Yes, I remember. And you guys it come was walking at St. Henry. In. Yes. Yeah. You guys come walking in, same exact warm ups on. Yeah. Everybody clean cut. I'm thinking. You know, it just wasn't nothing against no the past before that at Dayton, but it was just something you weren't used to seeing, you know, from the kids. And I was just like, Who is this team? And then you guys come walking in and I seen you and Coach Crawford, I'm like, wow. He didn't play. That was impressive. And you know, he he was very stern, and he he was incredibly fundamental. He taught all day, every day at practice. Well, I guess not all day, every day, but you know, yeah. every minute that you were at practice, he was teaching. I learned so much in the two years that I worked with him. I I talked to Eric about Eric with the, with Eric about this. I learned how to coach kids at Dayton, but those last two years. Learning from somebody who 
played Division One basketball, had been a basketball coach, played in the CBA. Uh, I learned about weightlifting, like teaching it. Mm-hmm. The, the things that – because the, what we had learned, they were out of date by that time. And a lot of kids didn't want to play anymore for Jay because the rules were the rules. Right. Boy, I'll tell you. And if you didn't like the rules or you smarted off, well, you were gone. Right. And the principal at the time brought him in to do that job. And that first year was fine. It was, you know, we didn't win any games, maybe a couple. Yeah, but you were, you had but freshmen playing. We yeah. had eighth graders playing. Right, right. And then the second year, kind of the same. You know, we, we just didn't have a lot of seniors. I think we might have had one senior. It was just tough. You're playing with these young kids. And Calvary was good. Heritage was good. Bellevue was super good. Silver Grove was really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, because those communities at the time, people weren't moving out yet. So, except the Dayton kids, because they were all going to Newcath. And it was tough. And it was obvious that, you know, and his family was still living in Indiana, his wife and three kids. And it was tough, the, the, the commuting back right. and forth. So, um, you know, when he left, it was just, there was no one there to protect me. Right, and I was just, you know, the, they opened the door to the hen house and let the foxes in, and what was left was a call from Dan Ritter saying, you know, you're not going to be released or you're not going to be resigned, and you know, it was devastating for me. Mm-hmm. And the only person that I told was Kevin Gray, the only person, and and it was not a feel sorry for me, but it was more of a venting, like mm-hmm. I needed someone to vent to, and Kevin was my buddy, and <clears throat> you said what you said. <laughs> <laughs> about them and uh let's say i definitely had a problem with with oh yeah they bring to bring you guys in to do something and yeah. then you do it and then they get rid of you for yeah. doing it it was kind of jimmy pangallo said the exact same thing yeah but it was probably the next day that you had called and said brad wants to talk to you and all i kept thinking is well chris schreiber's his freshman coach he's not i mean but the, as fate would have it there, I had met Brad just that one time at the banquet, mm-hmm. at the end-of-the-year banquet for the athletic conference. And I sat at the table with him, Mark, and Carla. And, you know, just had a good good conversation. Right. So, you know, as fate would have it, that was there. But, you know, you open the door here, come in, and begrudgingly later that year, you walk in the door and you say, by the way, I'm going to be the freshman baseball coach at Newcath. You're coming with me. And I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't know enough. And you said, not as many words, but you said, you run a baseball camp, you're doing it. And honestly, as much as I hated you at that moment, <laughs> it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, it was awesome. Because the eight-year run that we had had there parlayed with the – run that we had here on top of that right and just the all the other things that came with that was a bit of bless i would not be sitting here so i mean my story is completely intertwined with kevin gray's and which is part of the reason i'm so loyal to him and but you know what i think that this is and i don't want this to be ignorant but and we'll talk about the new kath years but it's like after we left Newcath. You know, the Ludlow job. Mm-hmm. You call up, who do you know at Ludlow? You know anybody down there? I'm like, yeah. 
we do. You know, right. call them up. Same thing at Beachwood. You know, you help each other out. Right. I was going to say, you've helped me yeah. as much as I've, you know, helped you get a job mm-hmm. here or whatever. I mean, Ludlow, Mike Borchers, yeah. you know, all that. And then, obviously, Beachwood, Dr. Mm-hmm. Stacy, and... Well, I didn't know. I didn't talk to him. Oh, I thought you knew I him. talked to Brandon. Slusher, okay. And the only thing I said was, I hear you need a baseball coach. Well, I have him. And this is who it is. And I know what you need over there because we had seen... Mm-hmm. And you need this, this, and this. That's your guy. Do not be turned off by the fact that he was at Ludlow. Do not be turned off. Because I can imagine a, a big sure. program, you know. And, and it's the same thing happened positively for Wayne Huff at Boone when right. he came from Silver Grove. Right. right. I could see a scenario where the people at Boone were like, what? We got the Silver Grove coach? Right. But he's awesome. He's done a great And what job. did he do? Yeah, Win the region first right. year. Right. I mean – Good Lord. I'll tell you, I tell people all the time, I know we'll get into Ludlow later, but, mm. you know, when, when, and you've done it at Dayton, yep. you, these guys are spoiled that go right into these big jobs, you know. It's a fact. You, you go to a small school and you see a lot of what those kids have to deal with every day. You see what, you know, how hard you got to work to, I mean, you know, we scouted the crap out of Dixie every year or who, or St. Henry, whoever we knew we were going to play in the districts. And we had, you know, great game plans, great how to pitch everybody, and we just didn't have the horses. No. You know, and if and, and, and a small school, you know. But if you had your one, your number one going that day. Right. You, anything you never could have know. happened. You never know. Anything yeah. could have happened. Yeah. And we, in and, and, and our years down there, we had some, gosh, some close, you know, obviously the Beachwood game in the All-A finals, but. Cheaters. <laughs> they were they're not now though. not anymore <laughs> new cath and i, and I want to start with this because even though your resume up to that people do that you're a winner disciplinarian you know perfectionist i like to say perfectionist and i don't say that as a as a slanderous thing i mean it in a positive way i want my kid to play for somebody who's going to be who's going to teach the fundamentals of the game. Right. Because that's something that's going to, you know, so many life lessons come along with that as well. The new calf years, we had a lot of good players. Absolutely. Played a lot of good players. Um, the the program, when we got down there, still new calf. Still said new calf across the chest, mm-hmm. right? But I want to say that coming down there, there was an obvious change in the way things were going to be done and what was going to be expected of kids when they came in that program. And part of that, I want to say, and I know that we have talked to the kids about that, when you when you put that jersey on and it says that across there and you went to school there, there was a pride right. that you were not going to let down all those who had played in that program before mm-hmm. or had represented that school. And that was kind of the mentality that we had. In those first couple years – with your brother Steve, myself, Mark Kelly was there the one year, mm-hmm. and Andy Zimmerman. You know, we're surrounded by just dudes that could just teach the game. Right. And it was that first group was amazing. So good. Yeah, definitely. I'm really kind of surprised that we lost ever. That's but I'm not. Co- it's probably coaching. Uh, but well, why we lost? <laughs> there have been enough games where you would say, 
we're gonna we're gonna get run ruled because I'm gonna make it happen. Right. And then we're gonna run because of the way we're playing. <laughs> but you know what? The run that we had gone on, three titles, regional freshman regional titles. Anybody could say freshman regional, but it doesn't matter. When you're the freshman coach, that's the right. highest thing you get. Lose a heartbreaker against Ryle. Kid pitches the game of his career. Right. A one hitter walks, but walked one kid. That that was I mean, that was it. Yep. One run, lose one to nothing, and we got one hit. Incredible game. Could have been five titles there, but I think that that run kind of solidified your where you are right now, and I mean that with. You know as well as I do, especially in baseball, you're when you're the freshman coach and you're the freshman team and you're coming in, the varsity team's there, the varsity coaches are there. People are they're observant and they are seeing how you do a job. Mm-hmm. So and and they also people talk. I definitely think that those years, you know, I think the Ludlow job was I, I thought it was guaranteed because of that, just because of the success you had. It didn't matter. Who had been there didn't matter who was there the, the players that were there your track record at that time was you're gonna come in you're gonna do the job the kids are gonna get better it's gonna be a family atmosphere they're gonna learn respect they're gonna learn how to play hard they're gonna do their schoolwork or pay dire consequences right and for me and i talked about this last week paying your dues your first high school job being at ludlow That'll never leave you. Right. Because that is now the base, and it's the foundation of the success that you've been able to have at Beachwood. Because this is, no offense, but coaching that team last year, that was easy. Yeah, we're pretty talented. Yes, that was easy. But back up four years. We had Ludlow three years? Four. Four years, okay. So back up five, six years. When you're at Ludlow and you're seeing just – Every, you know, a different thing almost every day, every week that you have to deal with. You know, our kids, our kids getting their schoolwork done. Are they going to be eligible? Have they eaten? Right. It was Absolutely. tough. Yeah. Uh, that first year you guys were prepping for the district and I bought Subway for the kids because right. you guys were going to do hit BP and then go to the game. Right. Perfect. It's awesome. Make sure that they're taken care of. Yeah. You know, but also – the friendships that you made there. Incredible. I mean, Randy Wolford's still, yeah. you know, one of my best friends to this day. He was, you know, basketball coach, and I helped him basketball, then he helped me baseball, which was tough. You go through a basketball season and then got to jump right into baseball. Yeah, so, five-month basketball yeah, followed yeah. by – That was tough. And in my last year there, I didn't do basketball because I just told him, I said, this is just too much, you know what I mean? But yeah, I wouldn't. Those years down there are incredible. I, I mean, for instance, Father's Day. You know, I probably got five texts from kids saying "Happy Father's Day." You've always been like a father. You know, just stuff like that. That just, you know, I still talk to those kids all the time. You know, they come up Beachwood sometimes and see me, see us, not me. You know, Coach Kroger was there. The whole, you know, four years. He's he was at New Cath for and Brady, three. your son. Yep, coach. Yep, Brady was down there. But 
it was just – I'll tell you, man, people people think, you know, you got offered a Beachwood job and you – okay, I'll take it. But – It was in, hard. In all, yeah. in all honesty, it, it was – I mean, I felt like Beachwood was one of the top two, three jobs in the region. If you wanted to win the region and go to the state tournament, right. you had to take that job. Right, right. But it was tough leaving the kids because of what Krogs, myself, and Randy – uh, Ian what, was there too, right? Ian Heeman, yeah. Mm-hmm. What we did off the field more than on the field was was way more important to me. You know, I mean, just the, you know, everything. that You know, we had a big cabinet in the coach's office that Randy and I kept filled and Krogs kept filled with food so they could, you know, eat before practice. And, you know, and I tell my kids at Beachwood stuff like this a lot because – you can beat a Ludlow from Beechwood in seven minutes. I said, that's how close you are to kids that aren't as fortunate yes. as you. And, you know, have a hot meal on the table every night and have a field, a, a turf field to play on. Place to and, stay. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it was uh, – I wouldn't – you know, I wouldn't give up the the Ludlow years for nothing. No. It was, and I wouldn't give up the Dayton years. Right. Let me ask you something about Ludlow. How was coaching there different than any other job that you've had besides the things that you said there? Um, and, well, and something that you took from there uh, to Beachwood that – I think I became a lot more um, um, understanding or where – I never used to realize what happened off the court, off the field, and down there – it was more for me, okay, what is, is this kid? He's real lethargic, you know. I'll never forget TC, his mm-hmm. freshman, my first year there. He was always energetic and, you know, running around and practicing hard, and he was real lethargic. And I called him in the office after practice, and I said, you know, what's going on? You're usually, man, the one that I can count on to practice hard, be talking it up. And he said, no, I just, I'm just kind of weak right now. I haven't eaten for – whatever it was, a couple of days. I'm like, what? I couldn't believe it. So I took him down the hill to B-dubs and said, you get whatever you want off that menu. You know what I mean? And it was just like, you know. And the thing with – and he was a freshman, you said? Yeah. And to this day, he's still a big part of your life. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. He's loved with us. I mean, he just had a horrible tragedy, you know, Found his dad. Him and his dad lived together, and they found his dad dead in the bedroom. Well, it's probably been maybe a month and a half ago. And, uh, man, he was – he's got a little brother, Joey, and they were tore up. But I wrote a um, – they had the Doc Moore scholarships, and I wrote up a thing for him because he planned on going back to college to get his degree. And um, Coach Maxwell from Dixie does an unbelievable job with the Doc Moores. I mean, just the – I mean, they used to give away one $500 scholarship. Now they give away three $1,000 scholarships. That's awesome. It's incredible. So, and he's always loved TC, loved the way he played. He loved his attitude. And um, so we we nominated people, and then we had a, a committee vote, and he won one of them. And we were at Pee Wee's uh, maybe last week or whatever, maybe two weeks ago. And um, Mac, Coach Maxwell presented them with the uh, scholarships. And he and TC even got up and – talked and thanked everybody and it was it was pretty cool he's a great kid yeah so yeah. tough a hard worker 
Yep. Tough kid. I mean, that's the thing with the kids down there is like hardworking kids. They earned everything. It's a blue collar town. They got. Yeah. You know, and we and you know how it is with with basketball. I mean, me and Randy, we worked our butts off. We scouted the crap out of people in, you know, Dixie or St. Henry. Was and the one year we hit Dixie in the districts was like a two point game at the end of the third quarter, and we were like, wow, we can pull this off, and you know. They pulled away at the end, but just stuff like that. Well, we played you guys when Jake was mm-hmm. a senior. Yeah. I think he was senior. Senior. We were we were beat. Yeah. Well, I mean, we played unbelievable. <laughs> and uh Randy Wolford. <laughs> so okay. Set the stage. It was the second last game of the year for us, right? So second to last game of the year, we're at Ludlow, and we were in a three week funk, right? And this is your state this semifinal year. This was the semifinalist right. year. Okay, okay. We were just in this lull, right? And we two minutes to go in the game, we're down, and I'm thinking, hmm, got to find a way to get to the rim here, right? right. And guard the three. A minute to go in the game, we're down two, four, and I'm legit like we are about to lose this game. And I'm going to be fired. <laughs> Um, because that day I had gotten a letter, an email from a parent telling me that I had ruined the basketball program here. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I would have framed that at the uh, end of that year, I think. Yeah. And (laughs) we ended up winning. I really couldn't tell you how, but it was the last seconds of the game. We came back and we won. And then we go on to (laughs) – we go on I to can tell you this. State. That was the last game that Jake Omer uh, didn't shoot the ball well. That, I guarantee yeah, you that he was. Yes, he didn't shoot for some well, reason that he, night. Uh, you know how it is, man. Yeah. you can't be you can't be on in every game. Of course, some TC, games. Just, TC says it was all the defense. Oh, defense. Yeah. <laughs> so so we lose this semifinal game. Heartbreaker, right? In the locker room, and the kids are leaving, and I'm sitting with just the coaching staff and I'm trying just killing time before I got changed into my outfit and I get a text from Randy Wolford and said and it said so we almost beat you I can't remember I wish I ever had the exact words we almost beat you and then you almost won a state so does that mean that we would have beaten Bowling Green or something like that so I can't remember exactly what it was but it was awesome. It was needed in that moment because right. I was just numb. Right. I wasn't mad. I was just numb. It, it was great. He, he's such a good dude, and he's been an ambassador for the kids there. Oh, yeah. Through the Absolutely. sports. You, you can't even imagine how many kids have lived with him. And I can't. And how many kids. They're have... the greatest people. Oh, him and absolutely. Vicky. Yeah. We... Vicky's the real coach, though. Yeah, I mean, Randy would always every time Vicky would question something, Randy'd have his coaching um, plaques on on the wall. Vicky put them up. Randy wouldn't put them up, but she put them up. And then every time she would say something about, "Hey, why didn't you go zone or whatever?" He'd go, he'd point up at the plaques. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get them. <laughs> yeah, they don't give you the right. They don't give you this. Right. If you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, but she, they're awesome. We we've we've gone on vacations with them, and we went out to go out and eat, and I mean, just. They'll be friends for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. Know? Absolutely. They're loyal people. Yep. 
And and Randy is loyal to that community that he grew up in. He played for, coached in. Right. The the, the word ambassador is the only thing I can really say. Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart when he finally did step away, mm-hmm. and he needed to for his own deal. But and I and I love the fact that Aaron Stam is there, and Danny Sullivan is there. Mm-hmm. I love the football coach. I think he, the football coach is really good. Absolutely, Greg Tapel. Yes, yes. And it's it, and you know the thing there, it's like the people don't really leave, right? It's kind of like Bellevue. Bellevue's the teachers at Bellevue they stay until they retire, just right. because they love the community. It's not like that everywhere, right? I would imagine Beachwood's a little bit the same. Yeah, a I lot mean, of the same. They're teachers. I know that they have the same. You know, group of teachers because up there it's you know education is top. Oh notch. yeah. So if, and I know if if they're not if they if they hire them and they don't they're not getting the job done in the classroom they won't be there in the next year I can guarantee you that. So the Beachwood job opens, mm-hmm. and you got to make the choice to leave. And look, let's be real. Kevin Gray at Beachwood is the perfect marriage between coach and player and place. It truly is. Honestly, if anybody could do that job, they would have titles from here to, you know, the end of Dixie Highway. It's not, it's not easy. And others before had tried it, not to slander anybody, mm-hmm. but it's not easy. You are managing a different type of personality mm-hmm. and a different type of background. And I knew the day you got that job, what hap- was has happened was going to happen. It was it was inevitable for me. Mm-hmm. And this would have been your third year, Beachwood? Yes. So you've won back-to-back All-A State Championships, plus the ninth region last year, and then get to the Elite Eight. So the group of kids that just graduated, the seniors who just graduated. Just graduated just now? The, last year. Last, last year. year. Castle Sorry, Miller. Yes. You know, that group kind of all met up in middle school and came up together. They had a lot of them had played, I think, travel ball, baseball. I think they were all in that group together. Mm-hmm. It was a talented group. Absolutely. And even even in like and that that success as well has been good for the basketball program. And the football program, that they shared a lot of kids. You guys shared a lot of right, kids. Right. So you guys kind of it was a tandem there. And they what they won three straight in football, three right. straight championships. Last year, yeah. Yes. I mean, what a group of kids to go through a school. Yeah, they. I mean, they I, that class was, like you said, just unbelievable. And, and talent wise, they were really good. Football, you know, the guys that played football were really good, but their work ethic was. That's what I tell people that separated them when we lost to Highlands their junior year with Drew Rom. I mean. We tried to prepare for him, and he was impossible to to, uh, to prepare for. And they were so determined when we lost that game after they – Was that the regional finals? No, it was the uh, semis. Semifinals. Yeah. And then um, – but they were so determined after that. They couldn't wait to get back to lifting. They couldn't wait to get back to practicing. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, you know, they vote us number one in the region, and I'm thinking, man. It's it's not I don't care how good you are or how much talent you have, you have to get some breaks to win a region. That's what amazes me that Jeremy Bione and them won four in a row. Yeah, 
I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, that because you got to get some breaks and some in, in the one year, the one year they won it, they didn't hit worth a crap in the regional. They won on defense, timely hitting, and then pitching. And um, so, so when I, you know, you know, when people say, oh, that was easy to coach that team, it, you know, it's easy to coach kids when they go out there and bust their ass every day and give you everything they got. But when you're the top, when you're on top of the mountain, because all everybody talked about was us in Highlands the whole year. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, Ryle was good. Connor was good. Um, you know, um, who else? St. Henry, Coach Pass's team's always good. So it wasn't like you're just going to go through there and, and, you know. And luckily for us. Well, it's not like you – and you have Cuffgath in your district. Right, right. And both games we played them last year was one-run game. Yeah. So, you know. Everybody says, oh, yeah, they're down a little bit. I'm like, no, they're not. No, they're no. not. They only got to win three in a row. Yep. You know what I mean? I'd never count crumbs out of anything, to be honest with you. Well, in the, way the, in the way that the baseball is set up, I don't know if the ninth – I don't know how the ninth really does it anymore. But the way it's set up is if the district tournament is on this day and you're throwing your stud and then the regional tournament starts Monday. So if the district finals is Friday and he's not eligible to pitch on Monday – right. You're going fishing. So we've been doing the last couple. Well, this year again, we would have done Saturday before Memorial Day. Okay. Yes. Okay. Then we did. Then we we're going to do Monday Memorial Day semis, Tuesday championship. So you so, got to have three. Right. I love that. Well, or you can get like when Highlands beat us the year before. Drew, they jumped on us right away. We we couldn't throw strikes in the beginning. They got some big hits. They went up like four in the first. You give him four runs. You, you know, you, the task got got ten times harder, but then they get a run here, run there, and the next thing you know, it's six, seven, nothing. So they pull him out because he's just dealing, and you know, that was it. It was, yeah. and they get they they got to pull him, save him, for, yeah. and then he could pitch two days later. See, I don't like the way the state does. I like the Sweet Sixteen for the baseball. I do too. I do too. Big fan of that. I don't like the sectional at all. I don't either. Even though last year we got to play, we played Montgomery County from the tenth sure. down, down at UK's new yeah. field, which was unbelievable. And Coach Mingoni or whatever he Min-Gion. came, Mingoni he came in our um, dugout and you know came down talking to me, blah blah blah. But um, that was cool. But there's just something about like the Sweet Sixteen, and I don't the two weekends that they were doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you say so. It's not a true. For me, it's not a true high school thing. The beauty of the beauty of winning the region. It doesn't matter when the our freshman regionals that we won, or the varsity regionals that we were a part of. You needed to have three to win those games. Right. You truly have to have the best team. Yes. Right. Whereas the new yeah, system, right. it's like, well, I'm going to throw my stud, and then he's going to have this time off, and we're going to throw him again. Right. That's that sucks. Well, they they kind of acted like when they did the two weekends, like it would help the small schools like us that may only have two legit stud starting pitchers. And I'm like, Louisville Trinity can throw their number one mm-hmm. guy Friday of the week, yep. and then you know what I mean. So yep. either way, it was going to be tough. That's why I, you know, last year was cool, and then when we got to play uh, Breckenridge, um, you know, we just what we just, regrets do you have of that with that game? Oh my god. The biggest regret I have. Now, Devin Johnson was on fire. He killed the ball in the districts. He killed the ball in the regional. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that regional tournament, that regional final game, Devin Johnson was. Yeah. And I grew up with his mom. He, he gets his athletic talent from her. <laughs> his dad, I'll tell you, his dad was a hell of a. Um, well, she's from player. South Newport, so right, right. he's tough like her. Right. I'm sorry. I don't know where he's from. But he, he was the, – the regret I have in that Breckenridge game is we were batting in the bottom of the seventh. I had um, Castleman and Odom on, no outs. I was I was thinking double steal. But if one of them gets thrown out, you know, then it's just – so Aiden Hutton lays down a, a good bunt, gets him over, second and third, Devin Johnson up. So I'm thinking, what what's better scenario? All he's got to do is hit a long fly ball. And the uh, kid from Breckenridge still – Really good off-speed pitch. He had like two and two, maybe three and two, whatever it was, and struck him out. And then Dylan Dover's bike. You wish you'd have bunted him? No, I wouldn't have bunted him. And I, I would. Everybody says, why didn't you squeeze? I'm like, uh, and Devin was a really good bunter. And I probably would have threw them off if I did. But I thought, man, he's just hitting the ball so well. you know. And then I'm thinking, okay, pass ball, wild pitch. We're going to score because Odom was on third. And, Fastest kid in the state. Right. Yeah. And struck Devin out, so that was two outs. And then uh, Dylan Doverspike hit a missile right to the second baseman. So, and that's when the rains came and the lightning, and we came back the next day and just, you know, we dropped two pop ups that we never did, yes. ever did the whole year, and just you know, just stuff happens. And it was funny because when we won the region, you know, I was talking to Jeremy afterwards, and he said, "I'm going to warn you right now, something weird." is going to happen either in the sectional or downstate. Something's going to happen that hasn't happened all year. And as soon as we dropped those balls, I thought, damn, he was right. I remember listening and thinking, these are not plays that Beachwood team or the Kevin Gray coach team make. You catch fly balls. Right. Evan Morse, right? Yep. Freshman regional. Ain't literally couldn't catch a cold. The entire year. And this ball just sits up in the air and the sun's going down. There's no light. And somehow that ball landed in his glove. <laughs> you just can't, that, that ball gets caught. Right. Just find a way. Yep. Clint um, Bartels, Bartels yep. at Highlands. You know, Brandon's right. freshman year. Yep. You know, as I was going to say before, the cool thing about us when we won those regionals, well, one was it was always us and Ryle with Jeremy yes. Collins was yeah. awesome. I mean, we're all still good friends now, but it, it was cool because we won those two of those with one with Brady and one with one Brandon. Brandon. So I was going to talk about that. Was that was pretty cool. Which one was harder to coach, Brady or Brandon? Probably Brady. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he took things to heart more. Like Brandon would just say, you know, whatever, Dad. Except for the game down at Mosher when he couldn't throw a strike. And you kept yelling, throw strikes. Yeah, which is and genius from a coach, you know. Greatest, greatest right. thing ever. <laughs> and then you went out and got – and I was calling pitches. Right. And I kept saying, just let them throw. They're so different, those two. Yeah. I would say Brandon was harder to coach, personally. And the only reason I say that is he's 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 more mouthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and you went out and you said, get out. Go sit down, get your glove or whatever. Right. And he came huffing and puffing over, sat next to me, and he said, "I swear to God." And I was like, "Just relax." He said, "I hate him." And I'm like, "No, you don't. You don't hate him." He said, "Oh no, I do." 
<laughs> throw strikes like I'm trying to throw balls. Which is a very good comment. <laughs> yes. You know. And then he said, and then I said, well, he's still your dad and he loves you. He said, well, he's got to sleep sometime. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're in trouble here, boy. We got to get we, this season has to oh end God. and get it and move him on. Right. But the thing about it is that you and him are so, um, you have the same kind of mentality. It's all go, no quit. I'm going to win. I'm going to do, I will eat that fence. Right. To get what I want. Right. Whereas Brady, Brady was more, Brady was nicer about the, about it. You know, he mm-hmm. was still competitive. Brady might be more competitive than Brandon, to be honest. But Brady would, you know, he would, like you said before, he'd a little more emotional about it. Right. You know, wear it on his sleeve a little bit more. Right. And he would just kind of go back to working. But Brady's, Brandon's the same way. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of you in both of them. And then there's poor Bailey. Thank God she's just like her mom. No doubt. Jesus. That would be horrible. What make, let me ask you a question, talking about the kids. Because you spent so – I mean, let's be real. Basketball, baseball, coaching all the kids, the boys especially. You know, spent a lot of time away. Yeah. And, and, and personally for me, we are who we are. This is what we do. Right. It's just part of the deal. You left coaching basketball, or you stopped coaching basketball for a time to be able to devote more time because Brady was going to be a freshman. It was it was a good time. Yeah, it was a perfect time. But as you sit back now and the kids are grown up and they're starting to have their successes, what makes you more? What satisfies you more, honestly? That. That that, that 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 job is done and they're settling and they're making their own mark or the coaches of the year and the winning regions. No, I'm more proud of, you know, when you have, when you raise your kids, raising kids isn't easy, that's for sure. Yeah. And all three of them are, you know, good people, you know, work hard. You know, um, I was worried about Brady a little bit because he, you know, college. What he was like me, he hated yeah. hated it. Nothing. Wrong I with couldn't that. do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And now, you know, he's working for UPS, which is, you know, if you're not going to get a degree, you need to get a, you know, work somewhere like that where you're, you know, successful and making money and all that. And then Brandon's at, you know, North Carolina, living my dream. Yep. And Bailey is. Um, she works at a daycare. She goes to school. She's smart. She's, you know, 4. You know, the thing about Brandon, the thing about Brandon is that, you know, Brady, Brady was all, everything kind of seemed easy for Brady. School, when he was younger, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But that, that, that's, it's not like we, he grew up like we did in a tough school environment. It wasn't like he went, was going to Beachwood or in Fort Thomas or right. something like that. Right. No offense to anybody else, but it's, you know, whereas Brandon struggled early on mm-hmm. at school and kind of had to, you almost had to reteach him how to learn things in a way that he would understand it. And it's almost like from that moment on, you know, he's been on this rocket Well, it was weird ship. because he did, he did just enough, you know, high school-wise, didn't really. Then he goes to Georgetown, yeah, Dean's List, and we're going, what? You know. So he learned to, one thing, you know, we kept preaching, especially Gina kept preaching to him that, 
you have to manage your time when you're when your classes are over and you at 11 and you've got football at 3:30 from 11 to 3:30 it's not nap time you got to get your work done so he learned to really manage his time and you know well Gina's the perfect person to talk about cuz she's a teacher right and, you know right they've been pretty lucky with her Oh, absolutely, yeah. and they know that. Yeah. Yeah, they've been real lucky. St. Gina? Yeah. She's lucky. She's out of her league. <laughs> There's no question. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you coming out here with us today. It's awesome. You, uh, you've played a big role in my life, and you've played a big role in kids' lives all over North Kentucky. Well, I guess men now. And continue to be kids. Yeah, it's What's, weird. When you bring up, what, oh, 27 yeah. years yeah. ago, I'm like, these kids are... Let me ask you this. 36. Did I start coaching? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... Well, you coach Steve Kroger. Oh, my God. <laughs> you believe that? The kid, the kids ask me, did you coach Coach Kroger? He's three Steve years Kroger, older. Yeah, he's three years older. He's three years older than me. At least. Yeah, but and when they you sit out in the sun all day, and tanning, you know, right. getting your tan together. right. Yeah. Hard life, that guy. Oh, yeah. Tough. Now, he's awesome. He's, uh, you know, we've been together. You have since. a great staff over there, too. And I, I wanted to mention this earlier when, and it says nothing to do with me, but you have this knack of hiring the right staff for the jobs that you've been in. I'm going to be honest with you. When <clears throat> that first year at Newcath, when I saw you and Steve, I, you know, I had never really seen you guys interact together like that. I thought it would end up being a fight every day, and it never was. Mm -hmm. Very close. And the way that you guys, you had almost had like your own, I don't want to say, you were on the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. And he coached third base. We stayed in the dugout. He handled it. Right. And you were totally at peace with that. And then Steve has to leave to go coach all of his kids. And then um, it's basically me and you. And I think what Jake Pangallo helped us that one year. Yep. And then it was just kind of me and you until, you know, we had uh, Mr. Walterman for a year and then Krogs came on. Right. And then you went to Ludlow and you hired the perfect staff to, to coach those kids. You had the perfect, you know, I love uh, and I like when there are young people on staff that can relate to kids mm -hmm. because as we get older, it's you know we try and we do our best and our personalities kind of mask some of that I think, but we also make sure that even though if we have to be tough, we're caring and the kids know that they love us or we love them right and um, going to Beachwood same kind of deal. Staff's much bigger now, but it's the perfect. Like watching the regional tournament last year, and all I kept thinking is like, you know, this varsity staff is like the perfect collection of dudes to work with these kids. Right. You know, especially with Steve, it's got so much um, experience with baseball, right. playing at Xavier, and sure, you know, and he Evansville. opened some doors yeah. too. Absolutely. And kids he knows a lot of. I mean, he's still really good friends with Googans at UC. He's still good friends with. He's still donates money to Xavier, you know, baseball program and all that stuff. So he knows, like, we're trying to get one of our guys into a JUCO, Alex Harper, who from Beachwood, he was uh, just graduated. 
But he didn't play hardly at all his junior year. He had a bad shoulder, had surgery. So then this year, we weren't expecting him. We thought he might be our starting catcher. He ended up winning the shortstop job, and in practice looked unbelievable in practice. So, Good. you know, I've been talking to some of these coaches, and I'm like, you know, it's hard It's hard for them to take a chance on him because they're taking my word, totally my word. They've never seen him play. And, you know, I mean, I'm like, this kid. How is that? Okay, let's talk about this year with, with everything that's happened. Awful. Terrible. We play one scrimmage. Right. Yep, at Beachwood, Camel County. Yep. Yeah, and we scrimmaged who, Bellevue at yeah. there, and who knew that? What? So that was Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The it was Friday. Wednesday. It was four days later. I walked into practice, and my phone vibrated, and I pulled it out, and it was the SEC tournament is canceled, and I turned and I looked at our coach, and I showed it to him. And I said, we'll be lucky to survive this week. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I did not think at the time that it would be like it. what happened. Same thing probably for you. You know, when you – did you sit down with the kids? Because I know I Coach Goyne sat down with our kids. Yeah, when, when it all was going down? Sure. Yeah, because I really didn't know, like like you said, I didn't know if it was going to be for a day, to a week, month, whatever. But when I did the same thing, I'm like, SEC tournament's canceled. Are you kidding me? And then the NBA. So you kind of knew what was coming. And we were getting ready to scrimmage Highlands that Saturday. And you know, next thing you know, we're getting a call saying, shut it down. We were going to Tate's Creek, I think. Really? Yeah, or something like that. And yeah. that was just like, oh Lexington. And then me and you know, Jeremy and I are on the phone like, well, maybe they'll let us play Friday. Maybe they'll let us play, you know, I think it was on a Thursday we got the call or whatever, or Friday maybe, but we were going to try to play it, you know, and it didn't happen. But, yeah, it was just – I don't I don't know. It's just – this whole thing's just weird to me. I mean, I know that, you know, I just hope there's a high school football season. Yeah, me too. I love football. I I'm a too. football guy. And I love, that it, I love that our kids are part of the football program here because I love being out. I can't sit in the stands and deal with all Right. I can't do it. Craziness. I can't. And I think that's part of being the referee in me is that I spent 20 years smack dab in the middle of that field. And I just – I feel more at peace there during mm-hmm. games. So I go and stand on the sidelines. And I just cheer on the kids. Right. It doesn't matter if we're winning, if we're losing. You know, I'm just going to – I enjoy it. Right. Um, and I, I'll be devastated. I'll be devastated, honestly. And from what I understand, the doomsday scenario is if something does happen to the football season and they can't have football, then I guess they're going to – the plan is to push it to late winter, early spring, cut basketball season by a month, and then do it that way. That's the doomsday scenario. If that happens, it happens. I mean, the – I want the football kids to play football. I mean, there's so many kids around here that make up, you know, college rosters. Right. They need to play. Absolutely. Um, I don't know how they play in the current rules. Like, let me tell you this. So our gym has been closed because it's being refinished. I I put the paperwork in for us to – be able to start going on June 28th or the 29th, whatever that window is, 
through July 12th. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The restrictions, it's yeah. unbelievable. No water, no uh, no water fountains, no bathrooms, no locker rooms. They got to enter one way, be screened, pay, paperwork every time they walk in and out. Uh, no basketballs, and if they do, they got to bring their own. So you're almost in like a scenario where, what do we do here? Right. You know, and I know other schools are kind of doing something right now. I know what the rules say with the air quotes. Whether they're following those or not, I don't know. Uh, I am a rule follower, unfortunately. <laughs> I kind of wish that I wasn't sometimes. <laughs> I just don't want. I don't want something to come back on us. Right. You know. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be the one. I don't want to be the one that's responsible for something crazy because look, man, I mean, I, you know, we've been around this long enough. We've seen head coaches be suspended for breaking rules. You know, we had a soccer team here threatened with no postseason play because of the amount of red cards they were getting. I mean, I don't want to be part of any of that. Right. So in our, in our administration, there are rule followers. So I don't want to be any part of that, but the restrictions currently, I don't, I mean, so like right now at football, they can condition. The quarterback cannot throw a ball to anybody. He cannot hand a ball off to anybody. So you're really not, and they got to be distance. And those are the rules. That's what the rules are. And okay, it's fine. Right. But I would have never in March, whenever that date was after the scrimmages at Beachwood, would have ever thought that this would have lasted this long. No way. I mean, we're talking. I thought I had a one-on-one with my boss today, and he's like, "I don't know if we'll go back to work this year." Just because, I mean, one reason for us is we're we can do our jobs right at now. home, yeah. So, and our production's up. So, you know, there's a possibility, and I'm like, uh, "And we're going to see a sea change." Yeah. Oh, I know. Ugh. I couldn't. I couldn't work out from home. There's no way. Oh God. I couldn't do it. It just gets. You know, I just I miss I love the people I work with. Yeah. So I miss the interaction and the goofing off and the whatever else. You know what I mean? Well, we're we're so used to camaraderie. Yeah. Exactly. In everything we do, and we're creatures of habit. Let me ask you another question. Yep. What's your biggest pet peeve as a coach? That's a tough question. I'd say reacting, mm-hmm. definitely baseball wise. You know, I was on a um, kind of like a podcast thing, mm-hmm. and they and that got brought up. And oh, I'll, I know what it was. I was on with um, that basketball academy with uh, Kenny Colopy, Kenny Colopy, and George Stahl. And the one thing I told them is, we practice how to take the field, how to come off the field. No matter if you struck out, no matter if you dropped three fly balls, you better get your butt off the off the field. We practice how to go back to the dugout after you strike out. You know what I mean? How you run through first because, you know, Krogs coaches first. And if those kids don't run through first base, I don't care if it's a one-hopper to the pitcher. They're running as hard as they can down the line. You, How many times have you seen a pitcher nonchalant it over there and throw it away? And you better pray to God that you're, you know, you've been running down the line. But I'd say reacting, you know, um, you know, the whole thing in the district or the regional championship game was – bothered me so bad I, and i'll be honest with you i had no idea until and kids are emotional yeah and I, and and you know devin knew devin apologized he knew he, you know he wasn't you know he, he never did it the whole year yeah but i don't think he was trying to no that i i think there gets to be a point 
like in that game, and you're starting to put it on somebody, and you're hot like that, it's almost like a an unbelievable type moment. Right. And then you don't kind of realize at the moment like what it looks like from exactly. behind. And I rem- Brandon was standing next to me, and Brady, and a bunch of the new kids. It was a bunch of the new cat kids. Right. And we were like, oh, it's going well, down you know, when he gets in the dugout. When the ball's hit, <laughs> I am coaching third. So what am I doing? I'm looking to see if it's going out, if it's yep. going to hit the wall. I have no idea what he's doing. And, and so, you know, they watch ESPN. So set they see up the this back. scenario. Set up this scenario. So the people who don't know what had happened, you're in the regional championship game. Mm-hmm. And you're playing Highlands. Highlands. Mm-hmm. The game that people waited for all year. You played earlier at the Reds, and we played at uh, Great American, and it was one of them things where we were leaving the next day to go to the, the All A. And and, and Jeremy and I got together. Yeah. Jeremy and I got, and I told him, I said, I can't, I'm not gonna be able to throw anybody because we're gonna get out, we're gonna try to get down there and win, you know, a state championship. So we th- we brought all the JV guys, and we brought and we played our varsity guys three innings, and then we let the JV guys finish it out, and you know, people freaked out because we were. 20 you know i think or 21 and 0 at the time which mm-hmm. in my in my thinking i'm i i don't want to go into the all a undefeated i already know the cover the conversation that we had was i'm glad we lost right right i mean we, especially we now it. that yes we needed to lose especially for the all a right and it was a machine down there yeah we got Lexington it done down there definitely it was a machine but it was uh so so devin had hit a home run the first time up we were down one nothing i think he had a two-run homer and then he pretty much hit a three-run bomb to pretty much put it away. I mean, they almost came back. And, and he pimped it. Yeah, he pimped it bad. <laughs> he stood there, watched it till it went out of the park, flipped the bat. When I saw the video, oh, and believe me, first thing I did was call Jeremy because I didn't know why. he. One of their assistants was – He was barking at him. Yeah, he was He was yelling at me after the game, and I was like – Well, he was I barking mean, at Devin during the yeah, – as he yeah. was pimping it out. Well, and here's the thing. It all started – we played him at Great American. And that, you know, everybody freaking out because we lost. I'm like, so what? Well, that's not the big – and, and the thing there is it's the experience. It's not, you know, oh, we want to beat Highlands at Great American. We want to go there. The kids enjoy it. I mean, I was goofing off in the dugout with them, which I never, you know, I'm usually pretty serious. I'm on the phone acting like I'm calling down to the bullpen. I'm calling the bullpen. We had players in the bullpen, and I'm actually calling the wrong bullpen if <laughs> they had them next up or whatever. So, but anyway, so so then when we played them at Beachwood, it was on a Friday night under the lights, people everywhere, and we played really well and run ruled them. And Logan Castleman hit a grand slam way out center field didn't you know around the bases he went and um so one of Devin's at bats one of the dads was chirping at him because I was getting pissed off and I was going in after the inning to talk to the dad and Devin of course hits a line shot up the middle and he's standing on first going you know mm. what I can't hear you what you know so he but his, his dad doing this? Yeah. His dad, Joey, was the same way in softball. The more people ran their mouths, the better player he was. So we get to the regional, and I mean, nobody was running their mouth that day, but he just hit a bomb out of. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Out of there. And, you know, flipped the bat and the whole nine yards. And then when I saw the video, I, first thing I did was call 
Jeremy apologized, but I had no idea after the game. We're shaking hands, and you know him and I are really good friends. So we're, but he, he's saying how proud he is, and you know I'm tearing up telling him, man, you know this is, you know, it was a fun, yeah. And this dude starts yelling at me. I'm like, what? I can't tell you what I said to him on here, but you know I'm like, whatever. So, uh, so I told Jeremy, I said, dude, what, what the hell is wrong with him, man? And then. I saw the video, so I called Jeremy right away. Man, you know I'm not like that. Well, one of Jeremy's coaches came out of the dugout while Devin was walking it up to first mm-hmm. and was chirping at him. Mm. That's where I thought everything was going to get wild. Yeah, it probably would have if I. But like it was I said, not Jeremy, right? And and Jeremy, Jeremy, I'm sure Jeremy was pissed when it, you know. Oh sure, but first thing Jeremy said to me was, "Well, it was a bomb." Yeah, you know, and you know these guys. They watch Sports Center. That's all they see: bat flips and you know all that. But not that not that that makes it right. But um, yeah. So the next day we started. We had practice the next day, and I um, we started at home plate, and we went over how to hit a bomb and get around the bases, and then we ran them again, and then we ran them again. And but you know, De- I had Devin. Devin apologized. Jeremy, he's you know, I got caught up and he even said that in the interview after the game. He's like, Yeah, I, I probably It's emotional. I mean your senior year. Right. You know that. And but I was still pissed. You know, I'm I don't we don't let our guys do that. You know that for sure. as long as we've known each other or coached and you know, it was just like you said, but if it would have been and I I honestly t- thought about not playing him against Montgomery County and Jeremy was the one Byron he was like, No, dude, you're kidding me. You can't do that. He got caught up in emotion. And you can't sit him in that game, so. Well, Jeremy would know. Right, yeah. Right. I think. We appreciate you being here, man. I appreciate being here. This is awesome. I enjoyed the first two episodes big time, man. Well, good. Yeah. Well, so. hopefully people will like yours. Uh-huh. You got a good I got, story. I had some shoes shoes to fill. Eric Russell and Shannon Miner. I mean, yeah. Wow. Those guys are pretty good. The Eric Russell <laughs> and the great Shannon Miner. <laughs> And the amazing Kevin Gray. Wow. They've been called a lot of things, but not amazing. I can tell you that. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you.